All right, then. Here we are in the shed. We don't know what we're doing today. Normally, we have a carefully scripted bunch of things that we're going to work through. You've heard the structure in Good. prior episodes. We have a few in here. You've, uh, you've heard us move seamlessly from things. You think we're just chatting as we switch smoothly from topic to topic. But there's a guy with a board over in the corner of the shed, and he's making hand gestures at us and moving us through topic <laughs> to topic. Sometimes we spend 16, 20 hours in here trying to get one of these episodes <laughs> right. You know, it's, it's quite difficult. Anyway, we're back again for episode 66. Boys. Get your kicks in episode 66. I'm sure that's going to be the title, except for RJ shaking his head about it already. I thought it was uh, under the G66 clickety click. What's that? Bingo. 66 clickety click. 66 for me is always Route 66. And get your kicks on get 66. Your, okay, gotcha. Anyway, that's anyway, us. Digressing. And here we go. Have you guys seen uh, Blade Runner? The, the original? New one. new one. No. I'm not sure. Like who's? Uh, Ryan Gosling. I don't think so. It, it's, I think it's almost three hours long. So I started watching it last night. And it was, you know, I, maybe I, I didn't watch it all the way. But every so often you hear, dun, 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 dun. And that's it. I wonder why. And it's right from the, Peter and the Wolf. symphony or whatever. And, but you hear it just by itself. And maybe I, in the ha- first half of the movie, I bet I heard it five times. And I, I just thought that it should be a nice little, you should pick that up somewhere skinny. Put it in your little samples. Well, we've got it in an earlier episode. We'll just pull that little bit out for one of those odd little transitions. Yes. Well, that was another thing yes. that we could amuse ourselves with today is that kind of stuff. Yeah. And listeners, do yourselves a favor. Honestly, I've mentioned this before. This is a thing I think we all three should be promoting more is for people to go back into the website and look at some of the backgroundy stuff that's on that website links to things that uh, kind of drive some of these topics because RJ has pasted them in. And there was an example of one I didn't even know was there, a video of a guy demonstrating how exactly do those high-altitude trekkers not soil their bedding at 39,000 feet or wherever <laughs> right. they are. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he has a roll-up little uh, Nalgene bottle there. And uh, then there's a few jokes about the size of the opening. You know, oh, of somebody off-screen's going, yeah. well, yeah. It's a little bit uh, wide for what you need, isn't it? Ha ha. And you can't hear the person off screen, the guy. Yeah. I swear he's pretending there's someone off screen. He's doing his little, you <laughs> he's know. doing his own Bob Newhart. Yeah. Almost like a ventriloquist, but you can't see the dummy. <laughs> but uh, yeah. And then he says, yeah. And, and you know, put it around the other vestibule. You don't want people getting out of the tent. And that's the first thing they see before breakfast. And it oh, wow. just goes on and on. Well, why would they worry? It'll be frozen solid before morning anyway, you know. That's right. Hey, uh, do you want to do a little piece of listener mail? Yeah, do we get listener mail? We got a little listener mail here, yeah. Lay it on us, lay it on us. We got a long time friend of the show, Jesse from Montreal, says, Hey guys, great episode. Referring to episode 62, Travel, just Traveling right Shed Bruce. Eh? Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. That only came out, what, yesterday? Since we're on bathroom mechanics, I recently bought a bidet attachment and I'm never going back. You guys ever try out bidets? Mm, I don't, so I'm not sure. An attachment that you actually attach to your toilet. Yeah, you'd think that, that, how does that work? But they're pretty straightforward. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I guess. Uh, This is, oh, geez, I don't know if I want (laughs) to. Venture. Really? (laughs) really expose my ignorance so much, but what to the water? Sorry. Isn't that pretty cold water? Like I thought bidet has typically offered you at least an option to use warm water. Hmm. Good point. Is it always just like very brisk? Well, you feel very refreshed. When you know, you half the time the water is still in the pipes at that point. Cause you haven't flushed yet. Right. So, you know, the water only gets cold if you run it for a minute. Right. I'm just asking. I, I'm just trying to help here. I thought that they, like, I only ever saw those in France when I was. And it's always beside young. a separate unit beside the toilet. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And I was, I was like twenty-one. I really had no idea what the, what on earth it was even for. You know, yeah. really. Yeah. 
I'm sure I've used one of those in probably in Europe where I've seen it next. And I thought, well, I'm going to try this. Yeah, I did in, in Hawaii because there's quite a Japanese influence in Hawaii. So it's, you oh. know, and our landlady was uh, Japanese. So then is it just straight up cold water feed? That's it? Yeah, it's not warmed, but it's not cold either. And, you know, especially in Hawaii. Right. So, uh, yeah, basically I, I actually can't remember why, but I tried it a few times and I thought it was really interesting. I was kind of shocked that how, do, how the fuck do they aim that thing? Right. Like, <laughs> like how much, do, like, how does this thing work? But then, so I tried it out. You never get out. There's a terrible cycle. You never get out of the bathroom. <laughs> well, <laughs> anima bidet, anima bidet, well, anima like I'm, <laughs> Like I'm thinking, I want to see how this thing works because you can't see it, right? So I'm standing there and I got my right hand and I turn it on and the little thing shoots out and then sprays up into my hand. So I didn't do the Ricky thing, right? The Ricky thing. Oh, Ricky. (laughs) (laughs) You saw the bidet episode, didn't you? No. (laughs) No? Anyway. uh, Oh, God. (laughs) anyway uh so that's what happened to that show (laughs) (laughs) so now i understand how they work it's pretty cool but uh no uh i can't remember why i didn't like it but i just didn't so it's probably because it was bitter cold water problem no it was not i'm trying to emphasize this is in hawaii and also it takes a minute before the water gets cold no i'm just trying to emphasize my preoccupation with the potential for a tiny bit of discomfort yeah well maybe that was it because so, i can't i can't remember do we why. think that these attached ones have the same thing that, that actually a little attachment comes out and then yeah this was an attachment that i was using yeah oh, oh okay and it wasn't they're, they're, they're by far in north america that's all you ever find is those attachments and you go into the uh, Asian mall in Richmond there. I can't, can't remember which one. You ever watch, walk by there? Aberdeen. And they got um, they got a demonstration toilet there. And basically there's a plexiglass over the top. And then so you turn it on, you can watch the little thing come out and shoot up. Because some of those uh, Asian toilets are have all sorts of options, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I don't know if there's like blow dryers. Oh, yeah, and, you don't have to just face cold water with those babies. But you got to have a degree in electronics, though. Don't, well, you gotta you got to spend some time with the user <laughs> manual, absolutely. <laughs> you got to pick your little song. <laughs> yeah, this thing had two options, and I can't remember for the life of me, and one of them, of course, was water pressure. <laughs> Again, the endless cycle. <laughs> but what was the other? Why is he in there for so long? <laughs> Whoa! Honey, yeah. hold the colonic. I'm good. <laughs> I don't know. This one's going to be kind of coarse. But uh, no, no, yeah. I think it's just funny. I, I one, one day, one day. My chance to try one of those out is far from missed. So despite our spending a good five minutes on this topic, he really just dropped that as a one-liner. Yeah, he's just so good on him. He he's said, I'm never going back. And and then he proceeds to say, one of my first apartments was in a sketchy neighborhood. One evening, I received a call from the pizza guy that the cops weren't letting him down my street. This is in reference, by the way, to me talking about the murder that happened across the hall from Sue and I on the day that we moved out. It just happened the night before we yep. moved out. Which all goes to, would we buy property? Would we buy a condo built at Riverview or on either of the BC penitentiaries that right. used to be in New York? Right, So he says, uh, one evening I received a call from the pizza guy that the cops weren't letting him down my street. I opened the front door and it was literally roped off with police tape as part of a crime scene. My next door neighbor had stabbed his wife. The rent was cheap, so I stayed there a couple more years. <laughs> I went and picked up the pizza from the corner, and it was delicious. <laughs> so what, what Jesse also doesn't come right out and explicitly say there is, yeah, he'd probably buy at Riverview. And yes. Probably, yeah, he'd be yeah, okay. I think so, yeah. Was that yeah. it? Yeah, that was it. Just the end, uh, which I think is really fun. That's we must have him in the shed when he when he visits Vancouver. Oh yeah, definitely oh, for he'd, sure. He'd be good to get in here. He's he's clearly got a big arsenal of little stories. I think Jesse comes this way from time to time. Well, if you hear from him, try to get him in here. Will do. And thanks for that, Jesse. That's uh, that's a that's an early responder email too for sure.
Well, I do have an item here in any list about do they make lifesavers still? So I was on a hike with Reiner and Sharon the other day. We started talking about that. Do they? I think they do, but... I believe they do. What's happened? Like, those things used to be everywhere, and I haven't seen a pack of Lifesavers anywhere for some time now of any flavor. I think whoever owns the rights does, still does, those Christmas packs. Do you know those old ones? Yep. You got a variety of, they were, they used to be a big deal. Yeah. I think they still do them. At least I noticed that in the last decade sometime, that, that they were available there. Yeah. They used to be such a an assortment available at every corner store. Yeah, the checkout. They would, take a, they would take a huge amount Clove. of space. Clove. Clove. Oh, those were good. Yeah. But they're just, you know, we just started talking about it. And, uh, you know, we we're like, what, did they fall victim to awareness of choking hazard? Or what happened to them? I think we're getting some real-time research here. And they just are, are gone. They just don't seem to be around. I think you're correct. I think they are still made, but way more limited. And whoever got the rights to them doesn't seem to be too interested in making a go of them. Like they, they've just dwindled out of sight. Well, the first thing that comes up is lifesavers in bulk. So you can get bags of them, like, I don't know how big, for $114. Whoa, how big a bag are we talking? Better be maybe, like, maybe they're like dog food bags. Yeah, it better be like, you know, Oh, no, here's some little bag. ones for $12. That's the funny how Amazon works though, right? Like, especially if it's the Canadian Amazon, if things are in short supply, like you're going, what happened to lifesavers? You'll find like one roll for $15. Yeah. And then that's like rich guy going, oh, I really miss those. And they just order them. And it's like, all you need is a thousand orders. You picked up $15,000 minus cost. And it's quite a, it's quite a thing. Like people do some pretty amazingly little profitable deals on Amazon. Jeez, I don't know. I don't know. Well, the, there's the, they obviously still make them in the in the little roll em ups. Some are bigger. They make a soft version. It looks like pastilles. No, thank Fruit you. Pastilles by Life they're Savers. like jelly ones, aren't yeah, they? Like yeah. uh, they have butterscotch. Oh, I saw a big one of butterscotch. Well, that's important. What do you mean a big one? A big bag. Oh, okay. I haven't seen it. I thought you meant a big lifesaver. But I wonder if those sandwich <laughs> plate or something. But you could just see those big bags, you know, like all they need to do is get a little exposure in a car and you're talking about one giant candy that comes out <laughs> all stuck together. And I'm, I'm just wondering if those, <laughs> those yeah, they're not individually in wrapped. I'm wondering if they're, you know, the little ones that used to be stocking stuffers. Yeah. I wonder if the big bag is full of those little, yeah. little oh, wrapped ones. Yeah, like with five of them yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Butter rum, actually, I think Ooh, is the flavor. Oh, butter rum. Oh, my God. Even better than the scotch. Well, I don't know. So, yeah, that was, it just was a thing, and I told him I'd put it in, and it's in, and so there we are. I think Lifesavers, you know, single-handedly, was it the Lifesavers Corporation, I wonder? Like, because some of these candies, they were very specific. They're everywhere, and you're thinking, oh, it's some big candy company, but no, it's just like one. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it was one guy, probably until the Second World War or something. I think the rights for it got handed over a couple of different times. Probably. You was making that up, though. No, I looked into it. I just oh, really? The okay, okay. I did go Google stuff, but you're right. A whole bunch of those kinds of products were their own companies for quite a while. Yeah. Like soap companies are a good example. Or chewing gum companies, same thing. All right. They're they're standalone brands and like companies. Like Yeah, and then they get bought and amalgamated, and pretty soon, you know. Scott yeah. Towel owns them or something like that. How Scott about um, musk-flavored Lifesavers? Oh, that's disgusting. Oh, that's bizarre. Isn't it? What is musk? What musk? Moose musk? Skunk musk. Isn't there, a, isn't there musk. sort of a, a, a kind of a perfume that's... Yeah. I'm well, trying sense, to imagine tasting that. No, but scent, musk, is, musk is a is sort it? of scent. It's kind of halfway to mildewy, you know? They're pink in color. Ooh, jeez, it's just getting worse and worse. Musk. But, but oh, like all kinds of different animals have a musk. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And they all smell different. Ask any dog. Uh-huh. So what kind of musk? These famous candy with a hole comes in a fragrant musk flavor available in a ravishing pink. Ravishing pink. That's a that's some kind of a what do you call it? Uh, Joke. Novelty. 
Uh, yeah. Gummies. Yeah, it's kind of like the uh, Hogwarts jelly beans that come in earwax flavors. Oh, and barf. Vomit. Yeah, yeah. vomit. Yeah. Yum, yum. I don't know. For years, their their Lifesavers motto was uh, still only five cents a roll. And they, they kept that. That was one of their big hooks is that they were cheap forever, but not anymore, I guess. So Wrigley's... Wrigley Division of Mars Incorporated now owns Lifesavers. Oh, really? Of Mars Incorporated. So who right. owns Mars? The Wrigley oh, Division. previous owners. Beechnut, remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's one. And right, because Beechnut was chewing tobacco. Chewing gum. And gum. Yeah. They had yeah. both, and that was it. That was all they made, right? Yeah. And then uh, ER Squib Nabisco Craft Foods. Those are former parent companies, Mars Incorporated, Wrigley Company. Mars Incorporated, like the Mars Bar. I thought that was like a. That's a family-owned business too. I yeah, and I think their last name was Mars. Yeah. Like oh. it wasn't named after the planet. Oh, I thought that was a big, uh, like Nestle or. No, they're uh, well. They are like Nestle. They're huge, but they are a family-owned oh, business. Didn't yeah, they were like the great-grandparents of Veronica Mars, I believe. <laughs> really and truly, <laughs> Bruno. <laughs> Bruno. We oh, thought he was talent. Was Bruno. We, we thought it was all talent, but no, he's just connected to billions and billions. He's a trust fund baby. That's right. <laughs> oh, oh what did you guys think of uh, Medvedev? Did you watch uh, the tennis? I did not. I watched the the, the last five minutes. Okay. Batty Allen came over and she said he'd been watching the tennis. I said no. I see she got into the finals and. Turn it on for the last five minutes, and there she goes winning. Oh, that was fantastic. And what's her last name again? Andrescu. Andrescu, yeah. Bianca. Yeah, that was really fun to watch. And then we watched the men's the next day. That's that's the Russian. Oh, it was five sets, right? Yeah. Big, yeah. Oh, that's right. Like Medvedev, uh, he had that reputation earlier in the tournament. He did some bad behavior, like... Oh, angrily right. threw a towel at one of the kids and that's right he's the he's the current bad boy yeah he was a bad boy and it's kind of funny that john McEnroe is uh Dumb. announcing right and he said oh, i like him and he just <laughs> chuckles and everyone chuckles because they know right yeah yeah but uh i i really liked him i was pulling for him right from the start because he's not hunky guy so i associate with that because i'm not and what? he's, uh, yeah, I know, I know, but Wait still, at least that's my self opinion. Oh, okay. And then, uh, he's six foot six. He's lanky. He's not Tony and muscly. Sue keeps mentioning that his clothes just dangle off his frame. Like it's not like all the other guys are wearing like high end designer clothes that are. And so, yeah, he was fantastic to watch. Really fun. Great match all the way to the end. Fought it out, could have gone either way. So really, really fun one. No, I didn't. I missed all that. I uh, so I was at work when the semifinals were going on, and it was a little slow. So I watched, I don't know, a game or two of Serena versus somebody with uh, a Russian name, Silovit Valov or something like that. I don't know what her name was. And all I really thought was, geez, Serena Williams is just a powerhouse. Yeah. Holy Dinah, yeah. she's strong looking. Oof. Yeah. And, and then, she she was really she she's having a lot of fun. Like she's winning. Yeah. And her personality was really cool to watch because she had a few kind of bad episodes earlier in other tournaments. And then she was very gracious at the end when she lost to the Canadian as well. Yeah, she apparently she was doing a lot of stuff about how she's she wants to represent all the young mothers out there because I guess she just had a baby a year ago or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. All this stuff, it sounded kind of like, the way I was reading the reporting was it sounded like she was sort of sandbagging, you know, like, I just had a baby and I'm, and oh, this honestly, is harder for me. And it, I don't know. It honestly, just that way. to win after having a baby, even to make it to the finals is just like, holy smokes. Yeah. Like, because people have tried in the past and it's never Well, all I thought never was happened. she just looked like a monster out there. Just, uh -huh. oh my God, I don't want to be in front of... But then whoever the her opponent was who did eventually lose, you know, because I was watching Serena serve, it's just like a gunshot. Mm -hmm. I thought, wow, this that poor girl. And the girl I was watching too, that woman gave up on several shots. Yeah. Like she made a play and then she just stopped because she knew she was dead. She did yeah. it back towards her and she went, she knew what Serena was going to do. Serena did it yeah. and, the, and the woman just saved her energy. And I thought yeah. she's beaten. And then whoever that was served, 
And she just bang, 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 bang. Won her game. Just two aces, I think, out of whatever number serves. Like That's what blows me she away. She just had a bullet serve, and she was some small, thin-looking person Yeah, with just this rifle of a service. And yeah, that's the thing. Killing. I think a lot of people are super athletic, but very few people are super athletic and can be in these situations and still perform. Yeah. Because that's like, oh, you're going, you're playing Rafa Nadal. You're going, okay, I'm lost, right? But they're not doing that at all. Yeah. They just keep. Yeah, that, that young woman just turned right around and won her serve. Just kept herself in yeah. it. Cool as cucumber. I just thought, wow. And then I was gone. That's all I saw of it, though. And I, and I don't know what's going to happen now. If you look on social media, there's the occasional article that indicates that some of the u.s press feels that uh, the canadian was borderline cheeky and all this stuff but i really think mostly that's kind of muckraking it's just oh, well, media it's, looking no. for something to report yeah that's right that's right i, I did see a post dear america we we have the world the whatever world series cup the baseball cup what, what is that the basketball one uh, basketball one what's it is it is there a name for that the tall guys trophy or something. We've got well, we've got the basketball trophy and the tennis trophy. We will we will swap them for the Stanley Cup. Sorry, love Canada. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. Okay, boys, I had a just. Oh, what do you got there, RJ? You're looking thoughtful there. Did you guys play cowboys and Indians when you were little? Ah, mm. I thought about this, and I will say no. Mostly, you know what we played when I was a kid? Guns. Yes. And it was always uh, World War II. Always. Really? Yeah, mm. always World War II. Uh, I don't think it was ever Russians, even though when I was a kid, sort of the height of the Cold War, it was always World War II. So it was always, was it Germans versus Canadians? Uh, no, I think we were always Americans. Really? Yeah, I don't, I don't recall us ever thinking about being Canadian. We were just U.S. soldiers. It was the U.S. Wow. Because the U.S. won is the way we saw it when we were kids. Wow. Because all you ever saw on TV was those World War II John Wayne propaganda movies, right? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. I'm dialing for dollars. There's no movies about the Perth Regiment taking part in some battle someplace. It was always the U.S. Army won the war. Okay, so you did war games and they were uh, U.S. Germany? Yeah, always. And KJ? We would do them with other neighborhoods in Rossland sometime even. Yeah, so you're one neighborhood against another. Yeah, and it would get a little scary because there were some guys, you know, it's always a little bit, there could be some tension if you did that because guys wouldn't obey the rules. Yes. You know, you'd shoot them and they wouldn't go down. Of course. And then there might be some trouble over that, right? Of because course. What kind of trouble would that turn well, into? Well, the threat would be some sort of fist fight or maybe some rock throwing. You, you missed. Yeah. You missed me, you only wounded me. Come on. How many times have I wounded you? You're like dead. Yeah, it's like the and classic is bang, bang, you're dead. Yeah. and No, I'm not. Yeah, and we had that in California when I was growing up as well. It was yeah. like the big arguments over your dad, no, I'm not. Yeah. yeah. And But generally speaking, those the games were fun like because oh, you'd keep playing them. Just a riot and sneaking around in the bushes and trying to communicate with the guys in your team while you sneak around trying to get around somebody or and you're using toy guns correct yeah yeah. Yeah. caps even were quite unusual nobody even had those just Mm. just a gun all right yeah kj well i remember there's a little mountain up behind us in warfield and i seem to remember something like that but i don't know if it was actually cowboys and indians i certainly remember having a holster and two guns and probably a cowboy hat and maybe a little scarf, maybe even a vest. I remember sort of the dress-up part, but I, I even remember the the, <laughs> the dress-up uh, Indian part, right? Wow. Like with a headband with a feather. Well, somebody had that? Well, yeah, but I don't... I, 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 I'm trying... Maybe I'm getting mixed up with Halloween, though, right? Could uh, be. Could because be. I'm not... I'm not sure, certainly about organized games. I know we played guns, though, but... Yeah, we played guns quite a bit, and I don't recall any th- anything. We might have, but I don't recall anything about going, okay, what are you guys and what are us? It was more like, who are the teams? And then we'd shoot at each other and claim... Yeah, that, I, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure we, we had... We were all American soldiers. Yeah, I guess so. No, it's like, got, sure. I got you. That's another line, right? I got you. Yeah, I got right. you. I got you. You did not... 
That's why they invented paintball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that really solves is. that problem. It's interesting you say that, though. We might have done that, too. I, I think we identified as armies, and I believe there was usually some contention over that, too, because nobody wanted to be the Germans because they were the losers. Plus, they're the bad guys. So who wants to be that guy, you know? Uh. So we might have just had teams, but I don't remember. I remember there wasn't much in the way of costumes. And yes, you could just use like uh, cowboy and Indian type pistols if you want. My oldest brother had one of those uh, fancy Winchester type rifles with the big round hoop on it like the rifleman had. And a single little bullet thing where you'd put the single bullet in? Yeah. Yeah, those are cool. Just, you know, we used to use that for playing guns. What, round tube thing? Just a kinking, that yeah. thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But we used that to play guns, right? Yeah. It didn't have to be a World War II gun. It could be a whatever gun. It could be a stupid stick if you were really hard up. I want one of those. Yeah. It eventually, I had it for quite a while. And I had a uh, a plastic GI helmet, you know, like. Oh. It's kind of flexy. And I remember I was wearing that thing. I fell off the back of a crate just whacked my head on the pavement going around a way too sharp corner and that stupid helmet i thought it was safe because i was wearing that helmet not even remotely any uh disapproval from your moms about guns no by the way i recall just taking a little break here how long has this rain been going on for a couple minutes okay well did you just shut the door no, I'm fine with. I think it's fine. I think it's it showing sounds, up on the thing. Uh, it's showing up in my ears. Oh, that's great. So yeah, I think it'll sound quite nice. <laughs> How about the little um, the plastic toy guys? By the way, that sound that you're hearing in the background right now is uh, the sound of rain on the. Uh, Let's uh, on take the a minute and enjoy that sound because I don't want to have to edit my way around this. No. <laughs> Did you guys see my front stairs? Yes, what's going on with those? Disaster. Okay, so first of all, for the listeners, there are a series of little pieces of wood and signs on the front stairs that say, no step. And uh, the stairs, from my view, as I approached, looked uh, fine. I didn't see any holes or nothing. But, uh, of course, I didn't step on them. So, KJ, what the hell's going on? Well, in the last week, I've done a total rebuild, don't you know, because Susan wanted them painted and... There was some rot, and so I had to actually replace pieces of wood where it was actually rotting. <clears throat> and I also realized that the, it's quite rotting for whatever reason. So this is pretty good rain. I'm digging it. It's great. Um, so I got this new stuff, and I have it right here, as a matter of fact. And it's called Platinum Patch by DAP. And I've been looking for something because that's where my stairs fail with wood patch. Wood filler, exterior skookum stuff. So <clears throat> I put this in, put it on. Sometimes it's quite thin. Sometimes maybe it was a little bit thicker. But it had a, I would say, forty-eight hours to firm up. Most of it was dead hard, and then the tiniest bit of rain, and pretty well all of it turned to mush. And now I must wait until the sun comes back, which is tomorrow. And I don't know if I can remove it now and replace it or if it will harden up if it's dried properly. Anyway, I was feeling so good when they were done because it took me five days to do the whole project. And then a massive fail. So that's, and that's why uh, I'm talking about it as the rain is just repelting down on top of that wet stuff. So is it structurally sound like you can step oh, on it? Oh god, yeah. So the the there's strength. It, it's just for finishing purposes to get it nice and flat again. Yeah, yeah. And I you know, if there was any rot, I dug it out and I I preserved the wood as well with some nasty, you know, the stuff that makes it green or whatever. But apparently I don't know. I have been wondering, Cromer built those, and I'm wondering if underneath the stairs is actually sealed too tight. Meaning the water just pools there now. Well, it goes in there, and it there's just moisture in the air under there, and so the stairs don't ever dry out underneath, even though they're, you know they'll get sun on top. Anyway, we're going to figure it out before winter comes. Yeah, that's, that is wow. There's no point in Googling it because it's going to be so regional, right? 
the conditions that people tell you to, you got to vent that because uh, down here in Florida, if you don't have air circulating, it's for sure. And somebody else will say, you know, it's going to be regional. All those yeah. instructions will be regional. But I've, I haven't, yeah. But now that I think of it, it's rather sealed. And you sort of think, well, there's kind of, there's holes under the, but there's not really those, it's not like a breeze can go through there. That's for sure. Maybe I got to vent it. I don't know. That's a huge pain, though. And not knowing what you do after this rain finally stops is a huge pain, too. But, and the weather. worst case scenario, replace the treads. But, uh, unfortunately, that's a much bigger job than just replacing the treads. You, yeah. You have uh, solid railings on there, don't you? Like, it's not even spindles with rail. It's yeah, yeah. It's a built thing, so you'd have to tear all that off to get well, at the treads, wouldn't you? Well, I just got to take some of the siding off that's inside that's been added on after the fact but that can be done we have the technology it would just you know it would just disrupt my life but what else is new right what else is new blow winds blow hey uh moby you posted a couple photos on facebook recently uh say what uh yeah i actually can't hear you seriously seriously like speak up i can't hear you the oh. rain or she's a coming down. Let me just close that door because it's mostly coming from the breezeway. Okay, all right. Yeah, I think we're going to be hearing it anyway. An actual rain delay. Oh, wow. <laughs> that made a huge difference. Totally, yeah. Just wow. Oh, wow. All right. Uh, I was just saying, you... Moby, you posted a couple photos on Facebook of you in kind of various degrees of monster makeup. Is that correct? Well, just one. The other one was real. <laughs> <laughs> the other one was before the makeup was applied? or No, no. They were very separate, different, uh, apart, apart, apart. I, don't, I didn't have a beard for the first one. That's all makeup. And that was for the magicians. And was that recent? No, no. Oh, okay, but you, you... I just threw it up there. That was really fun. I was uh, sitting around uh, with uh, four other guys. Every first Friday of every month is uh, old guys foosball night. And uh, we all, like maybe about 10 or 20 of us show up. About, I'd say 10. Plus some young guys as well. So we have just a nice night of foosball. And we always start with a dinner. And so there were... I was showing it around. And uh, people were quite impressed by that. And uh, when I was doing that... My foosball partner, Earl, was looking you up on, uh, I guess, IMDb. He's going, oh, that guy. I know that guy from X-Files. So he's quite familiar with your work. X-Files? Yeah. Holy doodles. Yeah, I thought that was because I, I thought you were only in maybe five or ten episodes of X-Files. Well, not or, even that. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, he, he totally remembered it. And then, um, and then he was looking at the number of hundreds of shows you've been in. I can't remember what number he gave, but it was like felt like it was like 500 or some crazy no, thing. No, 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 no. No? Okay, but it was hundreds. I don't think it was 200, but it might be. Yeah, anyway. So uh, Earl says he's a big fan. He wanted me to convey that. Cool. Yeah. No, that was uh, that day I did a... I had an almost full day in, um, in a fitting for the makeup. That looked like it. Yeah, and then on the day, I probably had five hours in makeup just to get ready to start shooting. It was just one scene, but, you know, I've been dead for 400 years or something. I wake up and I'm an old knight and it's, the magicians are all, it's contemporary. These young kids and things happen. But I wore uh, contacts, a white contact in one eye. I had big, nasty fingernails they glued on. They uh, latex stippled my face for the wrinkles to that's how they started that beard was put on literally a hair at a time like they glue oh. each little bit on you know it's a little clump of hair but they do they do it so that takes a little bit of time right what fun what fun wow and yeah so that was the magician some time ago now we'll put a we'll put that photo in the show notes for sure, sure. Yeah. and then unfortunately when i shot so i had the latex was like around my mouth like it was all it, it was everywhere this stuff for wrinkles right and I, when I sweat 
which I always do when I'm shooting. I sweat in, on my chin. If there's any place where I sweat on my face, it's my chin. And so the latex, as the day's wearing on, is starting to flap a little bit as I'm talking, you know, just a little <laughs> bit. And they would rush in and they'd, they'd try to emergency glue it somehow. But So the whole thing, unfortunately, is kind of a long shot. Oh, they had to do that. <laughs> Nothing. They don't. I think they. There's a shot of me fairly close at the beginning, but then after that, for the rest of the scene, it's kind of a long shot, and I'm pretty sure that's the reason. Sad but true. Well, I got a big response on Facebook. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, do you have tales from the shuttle, or is this an old one? Tales from the shuttle. Yeah, these are kind of fun. First one, double summer. I had a customer in the car, uh, an elderly English woman. Lovely, lovely woman. So much fun to talk to. Really sharp. Pretty old. And uh, I had mentioned, you know, usual thing. Oh, man, can't believe summer's summer's almost over. That kind of stuff. And I said something about the NDP's done a poll recently to find out whether people in BC would prefer to continue switching back and forth between standard time and daylight saving or whether they would prefer to stay. And we talked about that on an episode. And she said, oh, that reminds me when I was a girl in England in the war, they had double summer. And I said, well, geez, I really like the sound of that. But what does that even mean? And I guess during wartime England, they moved the clocks two hours forward and two hours back every year for six or seven years till about 1947 or something like that. So they had, they called it double summer because all of a sudden the summer days were really long, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I just kind of thought, I've never heard of that before. Two hours. Do we know the reason? Yeah, just extra productivity and extra energy savings and the usual stuff. For the war. For the war effort, they felt it was. And, I mean, I just think I'd have jet lag, probably. Like, two hours is enough time to actually notice. One hour, I find that I don't really notice the loss of that hour of sleep. But two hours, I think I'd notice in the fall. Oh, yeah, yeah. two hours of sleep. Or in the spring or whatever it is. Spring, I guess, you lose it. Have we heard hours. anything more about that survey? Nope. Not that I have noticed. I'm no. wondering if the survey didn't go the way they wanted. Because it was a very simple survey. And they should have really... I mean, maybe it's sitting with some policy people now saying, what are we going to do with this? Yeah, maybe they... You know, they got the information. I don't recall reading that they were committed to publishing it. They just want to know. This is kind of weird that they wouldn't. Yeah. Also, I thought, you know, I'm sorry, you got more of those, but we'll get back to them. I started to think, why is it that they felt the need to ask you specifically whether you more identify with people in California and Oregon and Washington than you do with the people back east? Like, it's that kind of, I thought... I don't know why it didn't occur to me earlier, but just the other day I was thinking, wow, isn't that likely to be a divisive kind of answer? Like a kind of anti-East kind of answer? Because I kind of, I can't remember what my answer was. If I was going to guess on that question, it would be that a lot of times in those polls, they put in questions that are intended to look for consistency. Uh They'll put a question in that asks something, then they'll put a similar but different question in later and they want to see that those line up so that they can tell whether the opinion you expressed wherever is deeply held or whether it was an anomaly in your opinion sure. field. Yeah, yeah. That's my first guess on that. Yeah. Uh, it might just be that they are leaning towards doing it to line up with the Americans as opposed to lining up with the Albertans, say. Yeah. And they just well, want for to sure. be and sure that's going to work. But I don't, I think the identify is is specific to the question too it's specific to daylight saving time not yeah not their politics right or whatever right and i don't yeah i don't know that you can take offense or or even wonder what what like why they're even asking i, I get why they're asking it yeah because uh do we know if those any of those those states all do it right all of america does it i don't know if they do it yet but they're leaning towards it i believe is what that survey to, said to, to getting rid of it yeah, didn't yeah. They, isn't that what it said? So Arizona currently does not do daylight saving time, except for the Navajo Nation, which is a big chunk. Anyway, um, and then right now, California, Oregon, and Washington are all in various stages, advanced stages of getting rid of it. 
Oh, which is oh. interesting because you got your Arizona California tie-in as well. Like, I wonder if it's like a you know a good cancer, but it's like a can it's spreading, right? right, right yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So it's kind of interesting that way. I found that the the idea of being a kid and looking forward to your summer break, and then suddenly getting two more hours of daylight during summer, and then calling that double summer. Yeah. I just liked all of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought that, that was Yeah, fun. it's even better than the regular daylight saving time. Yeah. Um, what else we got in here? I had a guy in the car, and he gets in the car. I'm taking him from the dealership to his home, and his home is literally... You could walk there in 10 minutes at a leisurely pace. It's a very short walk. He gets in the car and immediately tells me he's pretty tired because he worked till the midnight shift last night. Heavy accent, somewhere from the uh, Middle Eastern area, I think. And he's got his phone in his lap, and it rings, and he's got it on speaker, right? So it goes, although I'm, I'm going to try to sound like him so you can distinguish, but he didn't really sound like that. But anyway, and somebody in the other end says, oh, hello, this is so-and-so from Dr. Such-and-Such's office. I'm oh. just phoning to remind you, you have an appointment with your optometrist on August 28th at 1.30, and uh, you'll just need to get a reference from your doctor again, or you'll be charged a $75 referral fee. And he goes, what is this? <laughs> just <laughs> nothing. He's just got nothing. Uh, and I'm hearing the whole thing. He's right beside me in the front seat with his phone on very loud speaker. So it's not like I can not hear this. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And I'm just being the driver. And, and on, a lot of the shine comes off the receptionist at the autometrist office oh. at this point. She kind of just starts again. Uh, this is this is Dr. So-and-so's office, and I just wanted to, um, what are you calling for? <laughs> He's got nothing. Wow. And, uh, and so, you know, she starts again, and I just kind of mutter to him. I sort of said, uh, I think you have an optometrist appointment. Has, have you had an eye problem lately? And he said, oh, I had one last year. I went to someone, and I said, yeah, this would be... And she pipes up on the phone because she can hear me talking to him. She says, oh, do you have an interpreter there? <laughs> and he says, yes. Oh. <laughs> and I'm just killing myself, trying not to laugh. I'm driving along. This little dinky, just four blocks I got to drive this guy. <laughs> do you have an interpreter there? Yes. And I, so, I, so I start asking him. Well, okay, so... Did you have an eye thing about a year ago? He says, yes, I did. And I say, okay, so typically what they do is they have a follow-up to make sure that whatever they did to your eye then is still okay now, but you got to go to your doctor, your GP, and he gives me a look. I said, your regular doctor. And this woman on the phone, she's kind of going, yes, yes. You know, she's on <laughs> She's incapable I just of turning off her kind of veneer, her script, yeah. And going, okay, I'm going to explain to someone who's ESL. Well, I just think she didn't want to take the trouble. Yeah. So anyways, I get him through this. But, you but go you're see. an interpreter. <laughs> Does it ever occur to her that you're just basically not an interpreter? You are an interpreter in the sense that you take the trouble to understand and explain, and she's not doing that. Yeah, no, I think she just couldn't be bothered. It was just, God, it was funny though. So I, I marched them all through that. That's fantastic. And he gave me a $5 tip at the end. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just thought, oh, this my is God. great. I'm an interpreter now. And yeah. all it was was just making him understand he had to go back to his doctor about that eye thing. They want to see you again. You got to get a note from your doctor saying he's sending you to them again so you don't have to pay 75 bucks. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Jeez. Wow. Funny. That was a fun one though. That's great. $5 tip. And I just thought, I wonder what's next. <laughs> and the other one of these notes was I picked a guy up in Lions Bay. We're not even supposed to go out to Lions Bay. Oh, I thought that was the end of your, uh, no, it was oh, a horseshoe bay is the end. Yeah. Horseshoe bay is the end. And, uh, the boss was away and there's one service rep. That's a rabid keener. So, of course, as soon as the boss is away, he sends me out to Lions Bay. It was okay. It was a beautiful day. And Lions Bay is very pretty drive on a day like that. Mm -hmm. Pick this guy up. He turns out to be a retired commercial airline pilot. And so he's just, you know, he gets in the car and he turns out it's a pilot. Well, okay. So then he starts just 
talking, about reminiscing a little bit. And one of the things he said that I thought was really interesting, he was talking about a McDonnell Douglas something or other, and he was back in Tiananmen time, Tiananmen Square, right after finally the commercial airlines resumed their service to Beijing after that whole mess. Mm -hmm. He got volunteered to go over and get checked out at Beijing Airport so that CP could fly out of there again. So, okay. So he gets this McDonnell Douglas, whatever it is. And he said, normally the plane flies at 572,000 pound gross weight. And I'm just thinking, God, that's a lot. It's hard to imagine that kind of weight actually going into the air. He says, but we got special license from McDonnell Douglas to go to 590,000. So another 20, pretty much almost 20,000 more pounds. And I said, wow, well, what was that? And he said, well, we had to be certified for heavy takeoff at Beijing. So they, they said, okay, here's the maximum this plane will ever be at. So away you go. So he says, in order to fly at that, you got to... Get fast. You, you got to put those engines... He says, you got to walk right along the line between blowing them up and getting off the ground. Wow. And I said... That sounds kind of hair-raising. I thought there was always a big margin of safety for those things, like bridges. You know, they rate the bridge to hold 40 tons, but really it would hold like 80 before it was ever in trouble. And he said, well, right on the edge. He said, there's a, there's a, comes a point, there's an abbreviation for it, but I can't remember, but there comes a point where you have to be at a certain place in the runway at a certain speed, or and you have to make a decision. Have I met my takeoff speed before... I've run out of runway enough to slow down and abort. You know what I mean? And you have to ask whoever's in there with you about it. Usually you tell me, he said, I took to leaving my hand on the thing and giving them a few seconds to think <laughs> about it because we are right on the edge of our speed. The engines are maxed completely out. And, and you're just hovering. You're like five knots below your required speed. Do you want me to go for it? Or do you not want me to go for it? Like, holy Dinah, I thought, this is crazy. And I said, can't you like lose an engine redlining? Like, how do you walk that line? He said, yeah, I was going out through what he called the hole at Hong Kong airport. I don't know what that even means. Presumably when you take off out of Hong Kong airport, there's a narrow aperture that you have to fly through to get out of the area. I don't know. And he said, and we lost an engine. Ground control came on to helpfully tell us that we'd lost an engine, you know, <laughs> and he laughed because basically there's alarms going off and there's beepers and boopers and lights flashing and they're getting, and I guess what he was talking about at this point was there's a requirement to dump fuel. When you've just taken off and yes. you have to turn around and get down, you got to yes. dump fuel. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, he was, he finds that to be really galling. Do you guys recall the Swiss airplane that went in off Peggy's Cove a few mm -hmm. years ago? Everyone went, those guys were dumping fuel. Their plane was on fire. They'd reported it. They had a fire in the plane and they said, you got to dump fuel and you can't just open a big trap door and it all falls out. It takes some time to pump all that out, like a half an hour. And that Swiss Air thing, that's what they were doing when they finally lost control of the plane because of the fire and just went down in a heap. If they had been allowed to land immediately or in this guy's opinion, if they had simply ignored that order and landed, they would have had a good shot. But he said um, they're Swiss and they're German and there's a few others, Japanese, and they get told they're going to do it. And that's what you're supposed to do. And that's what they were doing when that plane went. So when he got told to do it outside of Hong Kong, he was super angry about it. You know, geez, we've lost an engine. I think the odds of us having a flaming fiery crash on the ground are no less daunting than the odds of us going into the ocean because we're down an engine. Like, give me a break. But he did it anyway. So I had never heard mm. that story about the Peggy's Cove thing. And it was just interesting. And I agreed with this guy. He said he felt those pilots in that Swiss Air one, he really felt it was their fault. They should have just disobeyed that order. Only they can know the severity of the fire in the plane at the time. And only they are in a position to really know what the bis the biggest risk is. Right. Uh, which I thought was just a fascinating thing. So there's really two. It was the fuel dumping thing was a thing I just never really knew. Yeah. And the idea that in some cases they don't, they don't run those. He said he had another one where they uh, lost an engine. They inhaled some birds coming out of some air 
port in uh, like Amsterdam or something like that. And he said the plane was just really shaking crazily because there's an imbalance now. There's a bird going around at jet engine speed. And they'd made him go out over the North Sea to dump fuel. He said, we had stewardesses crying. We had passengers screaming because it felt like the plane was going to shake itself to pieces. And they had to go and take the half hour to dump all that fuel. He he really had a thing about Mm -hmm. it. So there you go, just a little insider thing. The plane to Beijing... is it just filled with weight? Uh, fuel, mostly, and weight. And that's the other thing, right? Like, But to get up to that maximum that they wanted to make sure that... that yeah, that, they just put weight in it, ballast of some sort. Oh, how odd. And that's, again, though, that is a part of the equation, right? Like, so now, all of a sudden, you got a long flight from Beijing to Vancouver anyways, and now you're going to run your engines at absolute max for much longer... Yeah. than you ever would have. So you're going to consume more fuel to get that heavy weight off the ground yeah. and so on and so on. Like it's all, I just had no idea that the margins were probably as narrow as they sometimes are. Not always, but sometimes. And I just thought, wow. Because he said that that was a concern. You, Because there was another one too where he said you've got to get up to a certain altitude by a certain point in the air traffic controller's thing. And he said, uh, Pilots, especially the Korean pilots, routinely ignore that because the ground controls aren't sophisticated really enough to patrol it completely. So they'll just report that they're at 36,000 feet when they haven't actually made it there yet because to make it there when they're supposed to cuts into their fuel margin more than they like. They'd uh-huh. rather conserve some fuel so they don't get all the way there. But you have to know that if you're another pilot flying in that part of the world. You have to know that a guy reporting he's at that altitude may or may not be all the way there. Because yeah. you are not all the way there. Because you just did the same thing coming out of Beijing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting. I just, this was all, again, just a car ride back from wherever. Jeez. No, I, so there you go. Just, uh, none of that's going to help with anybody's flying anxiety. But... <laughs> I just thought it was kind of fun. And that was all I had from the tales. For so did, did you already do the one about Kleenex in the glove compartment? Yeah, we talked about that. Oh. I, I do now. Was uh, that with? There was crying women. No, you were here for that. Crying women. So you now stock it. I now have a Starbucks nappies in the glovey. Nice. Oh, I was here for nice. that one? Yes, you were. You were the one who um, asked about all these. You, you said in that episode, you said, all these crying women, are they all, is it always about, uh, you'd ask something. Huh? Okay. Definitely. I can't remember the episode number. Nor can I, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I do now always have Starbucks napkins in the glovey, just in case. I haven't had to use any though, so I'm good with that too. Uh, no marriage proposals, no, lots of fun in the shuttle. That job continues to be a lot of fun. Okay. 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 Fine. We must be near the end. I think we are arriving. I see the sun setting, it's shining in KJ's face. So we're going to wrap up fabulous 66 and we'll be back to you very soon. Until then, take care and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.